everyone. It's Kieran Lenahan here. I am your host. I'm also a business and mindset coach for faith-driven entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses, but also spend more time with family and keep their discipleship to Jesus at the center of their lives. Welcome back to the Renew Your Mind podcast and happy June. I've got some super exciting things coming up in June. We're hoping to find out our foster son's final adoption date uh, to be adopted by us this month. Later in the month, we're going to be moving into our new house, and my grandma from the Philippines will be coming to the U.S., and I haven't seen her in over 25 years. So lots of exciting things coming. I hope that you've got some fun things to be looking forward to as we wrap up spring and head into summer as well. Last episode, we started a two-part discussion on the topic of working fewer hours in your business. So if you haven't listened to episode 33, pause this one. Go back and listen to the last episode before coming back here. We're going to be continuing and building off of what we talked about there. And for those of you who are brand new or pretty brand new to the podcast, welcome. You're in good company here. Uh, And every few episodes, I like to just welcome you and also encourage you to head back to the beginning of the podcast, actually starting with episode zero, and then listen through at least and especially to the first three or four episodes And then all of the other episodes up until now that really speak to a topic that is relevant for you and your business and where you're at. Certainly not required, but I do recommend it if you want to get the most out of this podcast, meaning if you want to actually be applying what it is that you learn here and not just absorbing information to store in your brain. So before continuing our conversation about time freedom and working fewer hours in your business, a quick recap of last episode. We talked about how your business is like video games and that as the entrepreneur, you are the game designer. So you get to make decisions about the boundaries and the rules of the game. You get to set the constraints around a whole bunch of decisions in your business. But the one that we primarily focused on was the number of hours that you work. And I'm hoping, hoping that I sold you on why constraint equals freedom And that constraint can actually be a beautiful and a life-giving thing for you as an entrepreneur. We talked about Parkinson's law, which says that work expands to fill the time allotted for its completion, but that the inverse is also true. So work contracts to fill the time allotted for its completion. And we used kind of the example of leaving early for vacation and how you magically get everything done in three days that would normally take you five And then we said that there are really two basic steps that you have to take that are simple, but not easy in order to reduce the number of hours that you work. We said that step one, you have to decide the constraint, right? You have to put a stake in the ground. In the video game analogy, this is deciding what the players in the game are allowed to do and not allowed to do. The game designer decides where players can go and where they can't. In a sports analogy, it's the equivalent of drawing the lines on a basketball court so that the players know what's inbounds and what's out of bounds. As the game designer, you decide the boundaries in your business. You get to decide how many hours that you will work. And you'll remember that we made this tiny but also really, really important distinction between deciding to work 30 hours a week and making a decision to work 30 hours a week and committing to that. We'll get more into that today. And so after step one, you decide, you decide your constraint, put a stake in the ground. Step two is let your brain do what it does really well, which is solve problems. Let the inverse of Parkinson's law work in your favor. 
right? That's the phenomenon of getting things done in significantly less time than it would normally take. And then we wrapped up last episode by saying this process, really simple. Those two steps are simple, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. And today we're diving into the most common places that people get tripped up with implementing these two steps. So first, before diving in, let's start with one of the verses from scripture that we used last episode for our backdrop today. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This one verse has a ton of wisdom packed into it. It's saying that to realize the truth that your time is limited and to then act accordingly is wisdom. And so a byproduct of realizing the preciousness of time is to do the things that actually matter. There is a commentary that I read on Psalm 90 that says this, Surely, if we considered every 24-hour period as something valuable that God has entrusted to us, we would faithfully dispense our moments in ways that honor Him. This verse not only applies to how we think about the time that we have in our entire lives, But I think it's also something that we can be applying to our topic of the number of hours that we spend working in our business. And so you can imagine an entrepreneurial translation of this verse being, teach us to number our hours that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so the principle is this, when we grasp how precious our time is here on this earth and how little of it we truly have, but that all of it is a gift, we will naturally spend our time wisely and put first things first. So with that, let's dive in and talk about why this simple process of deciding the number of hours you'll work and then executing isn't easy. So we'll talk about the common things that can trip you up. So here's the plan. I wanna show you the three biggest problems or mistakes that most commonly trip people up and prevent them from being able to work fewer hours. And as we talk about them, have in the back of your mind, you're gonna be seeing that the solution way more than some of the strategies that I mentioned last episode, like zero-based scheduling, time auditing, color coordinating your calendars. The solution to working fewer hours is actually not through primarily any of those particular strategies, but through the renewing and managing of your mind at various levels. And then you can layer on and bring in the strategies. They can be really helpful. But primarily what the solution is, is not a surface level calendaring solution. So for simplicity's sake, for all of this, let's just say you're working 40 hours a week and you want to work 30 hours a week. So two fewer hours per day if you're working a five-day week. Problem number one that people run into or don't even realize that they're running into, which is what makes it a problem, is that you don't think it's possible or you never realized or thought about the fact that it is possible to work 30 hours a week, for example. This one is really pretty simple, and I hope last week already did a good job of addressing this, so I won't be too long on this one. But of course, when you don't think something is possible, or you don't realize that it's possible in the first place, you don't try to do it. That door is just completely closed. In fact, you probably don't even see it as a door. It just looks like a wall, and there's no way through, so you don't try. You wouldn't think to try. Or you don't try very hard because your expectation is that it's not possible and that it won't happen. And so if you want to, again, in our example, go from working 40 hours a week to 30 hours a week, the ticket to entry, the the way to get into the stadium, the, the starting point is that you have to operate 
from the assumption that it is actually possible. So look around, find examples of where people are doing it. I gave you a few examples last episode. You heard from my client, Rob. You heard about a couple other clients of mine. Look for evidence of other people who are doing what it is that you want to do. So realize that it's possible. Problem number two, and we'll spend more time on numbers two and three today. Problem number two is that you think it's possible to work fewer hours, but that it's just not possible for you. And with this one, there are two categories of explanation as to why you think it's not possible for you. And you could have both of these going on or you could just have one or the other. And so the first one is external because of your circumstances. That's why it's not possible for you. And then the next one is internal because of something inherently about you. So we're gonna spend some time digging into each of these. So first, external circumstances. For example, you might say, working 30 hours a week is possible for them because they don't have kids distracting them throughout the day or they work in a particular industry that's more conducive to fewer hours. But that's not me. I'm not in that industry. My clients need more access to me. I have five kids. My Wi-Fi is slow. My work just takes more time, whatever it is. And you probably end up feeling a little bit jealous when you look at other people working fewer hours and you're kind of annoyed at them. And one part of you is like, how the heck are they doing it? And then another part of you is just like, whatever, I'm in better shape than them, right? And there's like, there is a little bit of of pettiness, a little bit of jealousy there. And so what's the solution here if this is a situation that you're in? First, you want to acknowledge that your ability to work 30 hours a week has absolutely nothing to do with what other people are doing or not doing. Maybe with the only exception being that the fact that other people are doing it and working 30 hours is just more evidence for the fact that it is possible. So similar to the solution that we talked about for problem number one, you want to start opening up your mind to the fact that it is possible for you, not just that it's possible in general. And even if you're not convinced yet that it's possible for you, you don't have to be there yet. Just let this be a thought exercise. Imagine, take your mind to a place, imagine a world where it was actually possible for you. And then within that paradigm, within that thought experiment, what would that have to look like in order for you to actually be able to provide the same amount of value to your clients, the same amount of value to the world, but with working 30 hours a week instead of 40? And let it be a little bit playful. Let it be imaginative. And again, we're talking about foundational problems and a solution that's at the core, at the root of this topic. You can read all the time management books. You can listen to all the podcasts about how to color coordinate and hack your schedule. But if you don't think that it's possible for you, it's like sitting in a car with no key in the ignition and then putting your foot on the gas and expecting to go. You're you're not going to go anywhere. So first things first, put the key in the ignition. Realize that it's possible for you. So that one is, I think it's possible in general to work 30 hours a week, but it's not possible for me due to these external circumstances. Secondly, though, you might think it's possible in general, but just not possible for you due to internal reasons. And this is for sure one of the top two things that prevents people from actually working fewer hours. So with this one, you think it's not possible for you to work 30 hours a week because you have some belief along the lines of, I'm not organized. I'm not good at managing my time. I'm not the kind of person who could run this business in only 30 hours a week. And this can lead you in probably three pretty interesting directions. Again, you might just not try at all. 
right? We've already discussed this. But the second place that it could lead you is that you try, but just kind of, like you try to work fewer hours, one foot in, one foot out, right? Remember the difference that I keep referring to between deciding something and then deciding, right? That's this. It's that difference between setting your alarm at night and deep down, you know, you're just kind of hoping that you're going to get up when the alarm goes off, right? It's a difference between that and setting your alarm and knowing internally without a shadow of a doubt that you will get up when the alarm goes off. So that's the second kind of interesting place that this could lead you to. The third place it could lead you to, and I see this a lot. I saw it in corporate. I see it with entrepreneurs that I work with, entrepreneurs that I don't work with. What happens is that you try doing everything that you're doing now just faster. Like it's just on fast forward. And there's a whole bunch of things wrong with this. It's a great way to burn yourself out. The quality of your work generally suffers. It is not sustainable or fun. But what I'll say on this is that in my experience, working with dozens of clients on this exact topic, reducing the amount of time that you spend working almost always has more to do with increasing the quality, getting more precise about the work that you choose to do than it has to do with continuing to do the exact same work that you're doing just faster. So it typically boils down to do more of the things that actually matter and less of the things that don't. You can imagine trying to drive across the country and wanting to do it in fewer hours. And you've got a couple options. You can drive faster the whole time, or you can just take the shorter, more direct route. And so anyway, here's the pattern that often results from trying to work fewer hours simply by compressing everything and working faster. On Sunday, you decide that you're gonna end your workday two hours early every day, you crush it on Monday, you're feeling really good, you get to Tuesday and you're working on something and it's taking you longer than you thought it would. Maybe it's creating a marketing email or a post and you just get stuck. The words won't come out of your head and you look at the clock and after you're stuck on the same sentence for about 10 minutes, you start to imagine in your head this person just looking at their watch and saying, you're wasting a lot of time right now and then that stresses you out Your shoulders tense up and 15 minutes later, you're sitting there thinking about how much time you're wasting, thinking about the fact that you're wasting time. And long story short, Tuesday doesn't work out. And then you confirm the belief that was already there, that you're not good at managing your time. And then this just triggers the downward spiral. You conclude that, oh, I just don't have the it factor. I don't have what it takes. I'm just not organized or things always take me longer than I think it will. And you think about all of the ways that you don't manage your time well. And so basically you say to yourself, hey, I tried really hard multiple times and it just didn't work out. That must mean that I don't have what it takes. And here's the thing. Maybe maybe it's true that in your life for years, maybe decades, that things take you longer than you think that they will. Or maybe it's true that you haven't managed your time well in the past. But here's the point of so much of this, there is the sneakiest little unsaid belief that's baked into this anytime you say something like, I'm just not good at blank. I'm just not good at managing my time. What's the thing that you're implying to yourself without saying it? You're implying that you will never be good at managing your time. It's this absolute, it's just who you are 
And when you believe that, that you will always be not good at managing your time, that's the kind of lie that's at the very root and the core problem of people's time management issues. I don't care if you went and got a PhD in time management from Harvard. I don't care how many seminars you've been to to learn how to coordinate your calendar, how to prioritize your to-do lists. If you fundamentally believe that you are not good and that you will always not be good at managing your time, working fewer hours is always just going to remain this possibility, this dream that feels out of reach. And so, yes, maybe it's true that you haven't been good at managing your time in the past. Even if I grant you that, that isn't genetically programmed into you. That isn't your destiny. That isn't God's plan for your life. That is a changeable thing. That is not set in stone. That's an opportunity to renew your mind. So what's our solution here? Again, it's simple, but not necessarily easy. It's to change what you believe about yourself. If you currently think that you're terrible at time management and you want to become someone who's masterful at it, you first want to build evidence that you're decent at it, then that you're good at it, then that you're great at it, then that you're masterful. This is a a specific example of kind of the art and the science of some of the work that I do with my clients. When people talk to either my clients or, or talk to me and find out that one, I run my own business and two, that I work fewer than the 40-hour work week. People are always asking, like their first question is to go and ask about the the strategies that you use for managing your priorities and your to-do lists. Like that's what people ask about. And it's it makes a lot of sense when I think about it, right? Because if you were to walk into a house that was just recently renovated or recently built, like you walk into the house and you look at all of the, the exterior, kind of the surface things and how great it looks. You don't walk in and ask the owners of the house to say, hey, can we like go down in your basement? I really want to see like the foundation of this house. I really just would love to check that out because that's what's, you know, that's what's supporting all of this. That's what's holding everything up and allowing all of this beautiful stuff to be here, right? Nobody does that. But this is the process of aligning your sense of self and your identity with the person that God created you to be, the potential that he put in you, the potential that's there waiting to come out. That's what this work is. It's the in the basement foundational type work that nobody's going to ask about. Nobody's going to notice you working on these things until they start to see the results and the byproducts of this work. So problem number one is if you don't believe that it's possible to work fewer hours. Problem number two is if you think it's possible, but just not for you due to external circumstances or because you're not good enough to make it happen. And problem number three is if you don't have effective accountability throughout the process of reducing the number of hours that you work. Keyword, effective accountability. So here, you believe it's possible, and you actually believe that it's possible for you to work for your hours, and so you pursue it. But you just don't manage yourself and manage your mind as well as you could in the process. And so for those of you who don't have a problem with number one or number two, that is to say that you have a sense of self and an identity that you're the kind of entrepreneur who can provide the same or more value to the world while working fewer hours. Number three is going to be the most common obstacle that you'll run into while you're trying to implement and execute on it. When I was thinking about this problem of not having effective accountability, I realized that this runs so much deeper than it might seem from the outset. 
I can't tell you how many people love to tell me when they find out that I'm a coach. And these are just people who are either familiar with coaching or maybe they've worked with one before or they've worked with somebody like a personal trainer in somewhat of a similar type of role as a coach. And they love to tell me how powerful they think coaching is because of the accountability and how it's so valuable to have somebody keep them accountable to their goals that they commit to and to pursue. And people use the example of the gym and how for whatever reason, you know, they want to go to the gym, they know that exercise is good for them, but they'll just only go if they're meeting with their personal trainer. So I hear that a lot. And I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, some of whom during discovery calls with me, and people will share that they are looking for, that they value, that they love accountability to make progress towards their revenue goals, towards spending more time with their family, towards incorporating their faith into their business. And please, please hear me when I say this. None of that is bad. That accountability can be great. There is truly so much value in that accountability. I would certainly say that being accountable to going to the gym and to your revenue goals and to spending more time with your family is better than not being accountable to them at all. But I want to shout this from the mountaintops. Can I just lovingly challenge you and offer a different perspective that you might be settling, if that's you, that you might be settling for external accountability, for accountability that expires, like mini accountability, that kind of accountability is fragile. It expires. What do I mean by that? What happens when your trainer is sick and can't show up to the gym? What happens when you're no longer working with a coach? You don't want to settle for an accountability that expires when you stop paying to work with somebody. Settling for external accountability, accountability that expires, is like buying a plane ticket to go to Australia, going to the airport, and using your boarding pass to get through security, and then not getting on the plane. Like, what? You would never do that. Sure, the ticket was useful for getting you past security, but don't you want to get on the plane and go to Australia? That's the whole point of buying a ticket. I'm of the opinion that this level of accountability is meant to simply be a stepping stone to a point where you have the ability to hold yourself accountable to your commitments and where you don't need other people to hold you accountable because you're the kind of person who can hold yourself accountable. External accountability is a means to an end, not an end in itself. External accountability should be a means to the ability to hold yourself accountable to your own vision and goals and commitments. And I'm not saying that you should be doing this alone, that this all has to be on you. This isn't some like American individualist type idea. This is about you growing your capacity to live in integrity with your convictions, with your values, with what you think is important and what you are trying to accomplish in your business and in the world. And that's why I coach and that's why I structure one-on-one coaching with literally the first thing that you even do before we meet is exploring your identity and the kind of person that you're becoming. And that's why the six-month mastermind that I'm launching that's going to start in August is structured in such a way that it will give people the foundational skills that they need to build a business to the point where it's paying their bills 
not just so that they can accomplish things while they work with me, but so that they can become the kind of people who accomplish great things after our work is done for decades to come. And so when people hop on a discovery call with me for one-on-one coaching, or eventually they're applying to the mastermind and say that they want accountability, I'm going to ask them which kind, external, temporal, with an expiration date, or internal. So what's problem number three? It's if you lack true, sustainable, long-term, effective accountability as you pursue working fewer hours. And you know this. You know how easy it is to let yourself off the hook for commitments that you make to yourself. could be as simple as waking up when your alarm goes off in the morning, or it could be as serious as implementing the practice of praying for your clients every week. And by the way, this does apply to any area of your business where you want accountability, but for sure it applies to deciding how many hours you will work and sticking to it. If you don't have the ability to hold yourself accountable to your own commitment, you will likely struggle to make the changes you want to make to go from 40 hours a week to 30 or whatever your specific goal is. And the same thing that we talked about in problem number two with the spiral that happens when you make a commitment and don't follow through, the tendency of the human brain will be to beat yourself up and eventually draw the conclusion. And it pains me every time I hear somebody say this, it will eventually lead you to draw the conclusion that you are the kind of person who has no problem keeping commitments to other people, but can't keep promises to yourself. And I do not want that for you. I don't want that for anybody. So those are the problems. Number one is if you don't believe it's possible. Number two is if you think it's possible, but just not for you. And number three, you lack true effective accountability as you do the work of reducing the number of hours that you spend in your business. So back to the two simple steps we talked about last episode. Step one, set your constraint. Decide the number of hours that you will work. Step two, let your brain go into problem-solving mode. The execution of these steps is simple, but it's not easy. It requires a firm belief that it's possible. It requires the ability to decide and ruthlessly commit. It requires an identity and a sense of self to be able to follow through. And it requires the very learnable skill set of managing your mind throughout the process. So with that, let's wrap up this two-part series. Do you see how when running a business, whether you're making millions of dollars or you're at day one, the solution that lives at the root of these obstacles and problems preventing you from doing things like reducing the number of hours you work or increasing your revenue, the solution has to first start with managing your mind. Your mind will dictate, it has the power to dictate how high your ceiling is, which doors you think are open versus which ones you think are closed. Your mind can be a prison or it can be a palace. It can work for you or it can work against you. The choice is yours. And you'll notice that in these last two episodes, I didn't go super in detail on the nitty gritty strategies for reducing the number of hours that you work. And it's intentional. It's because it's often just not a good use of time until you get under the hood and into the inner workings of your mind and understand how are you relating to time? How do you think about yourself and your ability to manage time? We'll get back to strategies. We'll bring that stuff into the conversation. But this, this is the foundational stuff. This is not 
the surface level aesthetic things like that metaphor when you walk into a new house. It's not wise to build the second floor before you build the first floor. It's not wise to build the first floor until you build the foundation. Last couple thoughts here. I mentioned the six-month mastermind that I'm launching that will start in August, and I'm going to share a lot more about that in the rest of June and July. Two primary focuses of the mastermind. Number one, teaching you how to manage and renew your mind at an expert level. And number two, teaching you how to create demand for your services, how to bring in consistent clients to the point where your revenue can pay your living expenses. So it's revenue creation and it's renewing your mind. And so it's not just lip service when I say how important managing your mind is. The podcast is named after it. I do it with my one-on-one clients. The mastermind is going to be built around this skill set. This is a gift that keeps on giving. So go forth and work fewer hours but pay attention to the foundation that you're building on. And if you want external accountability, that's going to equip you with internal accountability. Go to lenahancoaching.com slash discovery and book a call and let's talk. The last thing that I'll say here as we wrap up, and I said this on Instagram a few weeks ago, if this podcast is helping you, share it. Because if this is helping you, I guarantee that there's at least one person in your network who would benefit from it, whether it's a friend, an old colleague, or a random person that you don't even know who follows you. And so if this is helping, share it via text or DM or share it to your story. Feel free to tag me at Kieran Lenahan Coaching. And the last thing, take two seconds, if you don't mind, to just leave a rating for the podcast. That helps people discover this. It helps people find it when they search for a podcast about business and being uh, faith-driven. That is all for today's episode. I hope you have a great week. And I will talk to you next time on the Renew Your Mind podcast.